What a joy it is to be here today. Redeemer, St. John's, it's been a long time coming. Can I get an amen? amen? Do you realize it's been almost a year? Almost a year since we've been together. And I was saying to my wife on yesterday, I says, dear, I think it's an absolute shame that two brothers would hold hundreds of people hostage (laughs) because they can't get their stuff together and they can't work out their schedules and everybody else has to pay the price. And she says, my son, I forgive you. giving honor to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who is always the one to be honored and to be praised, and giving honor to the pastor, officers, and members of these two beautiful congregations, and to the congregations themselves for your excitement and the joy of the Lord that is already in this place. My heart is filled with joy to hear the words of praise and thanksgiving, the excitement. I just wish one day I'll get a little bit of that excitement myself. I'm still stuck in this stoic mindset, but I am just so thankful. And I spoke to Pastor Craig just a moment ago, and I says, is that by accident that a lot of the songs had the word Redeemer in it. Did y'all notice that? (laughs) Let us pray. Gracious Father, Lord God, we truly do thank you. Lord, we praise you for the God we serve is worthy to be praised. Lord, we thank you for the privilege of giving us another opportunity to behold a brand new day that we have never seen before. Lord, when fires were breaking out and thieves were breaking in, you sent your angels to watch over us all night long. And then early this morning, Lord, you woke us up, not only with the finger of life, but the finger of love. And for this, Lord, we say thank you. Then, Lord, you gave us a mind and a heart to get up from wherever we were to come out to the house of the Lord, and some for choir rehearsals and some for Sunday school and all of us now for our time of worship and praise and thanksgiving. Lord, we humble ourselves before your majesty, and Lord, we count it an absolute privilege that you are giving us this time today to stand behind this sacred desk. So, Lord, we invite and invoke your spirit to rule and overrule and all that we say and do. Lord, we're not even worthy to raise our heads to heaven. But, Lord God, we thank you for the privilege that you've given to us, for you encourage us to come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy, to find grace to help in time of need. Lord, if ever we needed you, we need you right now. So now, Lord, somebody wish to hear a word from the Lord today. Somebody wished to see Jesus today. So now, Lord, as we get into your word, let your word get into us. In Jesus' precious name, let all God's people say amen. The three passages, and one is listed in your 
service guide this morning, uh, Matthew chapter 9, verses 1 through 9, but we're really going to emphasize Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 12, and the other uh, parallel passages in our Lord's gospel according to St. Luke chapter 5, verses 17 through 26. I, I, I can't again tell you how blessed I am and how blessed I was um, that God used your wonderful pastor to bring the word that he brought when we had our last joint service. And I said to him, and I will continue to say to him, how blessed my heart was. Um, his daughter came to me afterwards and says, and with him standing there and says, uh, who are you? And he looked at her and she says, I'm your father. He says, no, because my daddy ain't never preached like that before. <laughs> and all I could say is thank you, Lord, for sending my blue-eyed soul brother from West Virginia <laughs> into my life and into our lives as our bishop, our presiding bishop of the Reformed Episcopal Church came in from Dallas and we had members of the Board of Foreign Mission and Doctrine and Worship and Constitution and Canon and Church Extension and our executive committee of which I'm a member. Uh, we all met in Somerville for meetings in preparation for our uh, national or international convention that was held last June in Dallas, Texas. And, and Bishop Sutton came and he sat on the front pew and he listened to your pastor. And I'm telling you, his heart was bursting with joy. Um, when we got to the national conference, he didn't say anything about me. So I owe you one, bruh. <laughs> From this wonderful passage, we ask if you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Mark chapter 2, beginning at verse 1. And again he entered into Capernaum after some days, and it was noise that he was in the house. And straightway many were gathered together, and so much that there was no room to receive them. No, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word unto them. And they came unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four, or carried by four men. And when they could not come nigh unto him for to press, they uncovered the roof uh, where he was, and when they had broken it up. They let down the bed wherein the sick of the, or the paralytic man lay. When Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick or the paralytic man, Son, thy sin be forgiven thee. But there were certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, Why doth this man thus speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? And immediately when Jesus perceived in the spirit that they so reasoned within themselves, he said unto them, Why reason ye these things in your heart? Rather, it is easier to say to the sick of the, uh, or say to the paralytic, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Arise and take up your bed and walk. But that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sin. He saith to the sick, 
or the paralytic man, I say unto you, arise, take up your bed and go thy way into thine house. And immediately he arose, took up the bed and went forth before them all insomuch that they were all amazed and glorified God saying, we never saw anything like this before. Oh, what a joy. The paralytic man, a beautiful idea. The paralytic man, a beautiful idea. When I look at the passage and I, I, I search through each of these uh, passages and the Bible doesn't tell me how the man got that way. The Bible doesn't say um, that he had an accident. The, man, the Bible doesn't say rather he was born that way. The Bible doesn't say how long he was that way. The Bible just simply tells me that there was a paralytic man, a man who was paralyzed, and it seems that he was a quadriplegic. The man couldn't do anything for himself. And, and here this man was lying here on his bed. And, and there are a lot of ways, St. John's and Redeemer, to become paralyzed. And the Bible doesn't say how that happened to him. But I believe he doesn't say, the scripture doesn't say how he got that way. So we can write ourselves in this story. Go along with me just for a little while, will you? The pastor already let you know that I have a time limit and I will stay within that. There are a lot of ways to be paralyzed, but not just physically paralyzed. There are a lot of ways for us to find ourselves stopped by something that's just holding us and has such power and control over us. And there are, verse, there are voices of promises all around us, but they are not fulfilled in our lives because we are paralyzed by something or someone in our lives. We want to do, we want to go, we want to have, but we allow things in us and around us and people around us to paralyze us. There's a story of a matriarch of a church who came to her pastor and she said, Pastor, my son is living with a woman who is not his wife. They have three little children. And pastor, I told him, why don't you marry this woman and create a right environment for these little children to grow up in? And his son says, mom, marriage is just a piece of paper that messes up a love relationship. The mother says, pastor, I don't know what to tell him. I don't know what to do. I can't get him to go to church. I can't get her to go to church. And I can't get them to bring my grandchildren to church. I don't know what to do. I am paralyzed. 
1970, a survey was done and more than 89% of the children born in the United States of America were born to married couples. In 2018, more than half of the children born in this great nation are born in single-family homes. Our culture is paralyzed. Our churches are paralyzed. Our people are paralyzed. Our government is paralyzed. A pastor goes to his bishop and says, I don't know what to do. I'm working harder, but my church keeps getting smaller. I never preached more vigorously than I'm preaching now, but the congregation keeps shrinking. I keep burying people, but not bringing any more people in. I am paralyzed, and I don't know what to do. I try to reach the young people, and then I lose the older people. I try to reach the young people, and I try to reach the older people in the congregation, and the young people get frustrated and leave. When I try to reach out to the older to encourage them, the, the young people says it's boring. I remember recently reading a book, and the book is called The Autopsy of a Dead Church. And Rainier wrote in this wonderful one of the chapters, and he shared that he had surveyed over a hundred churches. And all of those churches died, and he had a list of reasons why they died. And one of those things was there was this dichotomy between the older members and the younger members of the congregation, and that they were paralyzed by this dysfunctional relationship, and that the church eventually died. The congregation had at some time well over 300 members in the congregation, and they had now shrunk down to less than 60 people. And so the young people says, well, you know what? Let's have a service at 8 o'clock. You guys can continue to have your 1030 service. We'll have one at 8 o'clock for us. And they said, we hear your songs, and we hear your music and your prayers, but that's really not for us. So they, the pastor allowed them to do that. And the morning, the 8 o'clock service grew from about 5 to well over 100 in less than 6 months. And the 1030 service continued to shrink from 60 down to about 35. And so the young people says, well, listen, you guys are not doing well. Why don't we switch? And the older congregation says... We've never done it that way before. We don't want to change, and we don't want that to happen, and I am not going to let you bring this crazy kind of worship and service. We need to come in here and be godly, sober, 
I believe if you see when the Lord went to the synagogue and the temple, he was always a man in order and decency. So we cannot switch our service from some 10.30 down to 8 o'clock. And so the young people says, then we're out. And all of the young people left. And two and a half years later, because of the paralysis of analysis, the church closed its doors. A superintendent was talking to one of his friends who was his confidant. And he said, I need to appoint someone to oversee one of our presbyteries. The candidate that I have in mind is a brilliant and talented and great communicator. He's a good organizer. He has great skills, but I have one problem. And his friend says, what is, it that, what is that, Mr. Superintendent? He says, the young man is only 38 years old. I can't put him in charge of a presbytery at 38. His friend said to him, my friend, Mr. Stupid Superintendent. <laughs> 38 years old, that is your hang-up? That is your paralysis? Do you know we have Super Bowl winning head coaches and NCAA football and basketball champion head coaches who are 38 years old? Let me tell you something, dear sir. We are living in the time of the millennial. 38 years old is midlife for them. <laughs> he said 68 is not midlife. I have to agree with that. Because if 68 is midlife, two times 68 You know anybody living to be 136 years old, huh? So I don't know where we get this midlife crisis from. And so he then appointed the young man. We as a church and a culture, I say to you today, we are simply paralyzed. My point is that there are many ways, church, to be paralyzed. The Bible says there was a paralyzed man and someone had a beautiful idea. The scripture says that when the Lord came to Capernaum, that he had just gone out and he had healed people and healed lepers and he had spent time by himself praying. He had just appointed uh, one or two of his disciples and now he'd come to Capernaum. And most theologians believe that when he went to the house, it was the apostle Peter's house. And while he was there, the scripture says that there were scribes in, in Luke's gospel. There were scribes and Pharisees and people that come from Judea and, Jamer, uh, uh, Judea and Jerusalem and Samaria and all the other surrounding areas. And they gathered and they heard that the Lord Jesus was at the house preaching and teaching. And the scripture says immediately the house was filled inside and where? Come on now. Can you see it? Immediately once they heard that the word 
that the preacher, the master preacher, the master teacher, not too much unlike like Pastor Greg, but the master teacher had gathered together in Peter's house. The, pe- the throng came in. Here's the idea. The scripture says when they heard that the Lord was there, somebody, one of the four, I'm imagining, or maybe it was collective, came up with the idea, let's take our friend. Give me a name. Huh? Willie. I need to remind my wife that confession is not necessarily, you know, I have to tell everybody I'm still paralyzed. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) And so Willie was there and it says, listen, let's take our friend Willie let's take our friend Bill I'll deal with that All right, take Bill to Jesus and I can see one of the other of the four says take Bill to Jesus how are we going to do that and he says let's pick up his bed and carry him And I can hear his friend says, yeah, but what if Bill falls off? He says, and what? He sure can't get any hurt more than he is now. What, he gonna end up being paralyzed? (laughs) It was a beautiful idea. It was a beautiful idea that one of them came up with. Some of the greatest things and events in the history of mankind began with a single beautiful idea. A beautiful April day in the year 1896. The first African-American faculty member at Iowa State College received a letter. And he opened the letter and he began to read the letter, and he looked down at the return address, and he looked at the body of the letter, and words, and he read these words from the letter. I cannot offer you money or position or fame, but I know that from the position you now have at Iowa State College, These things will no doubt you will achieve. These things now I ask of you and ask you to give up. I offer you in its place work, hard work, the task of bringing a people up from degradation and up from poverty and up from waste to a full manhood. Your department exists only on paper and your laboratory will have to be in your head. The young professor looked down at the end of the page to see the name of the man who wrote it and it says, sign Booker T. Washington. 
he had a beautiful idea. And do you know that for every beautiful idea from God, there is a human no to the idea. A death wish for many people that when God says yes, we say no. When God say live, we say die. When God says joy, we say sorrow. When God says peace, come on now somebody, we say war. When God says up, oh now wait a minute, who is that promised to give me my amens in here? Where were you at? Where Phil? Okay, thank you, sir. Come on, get on your job, brother. There must have been a few no's in George Washington Carver's heart when he read that beautiful idea from Booker T. Washington, when he read the letter, but he let that beautiful idea of Booker T. Washington move him. And what he did there affected the lives of millions of people afterwards. The Bible says there was a paralyzed man and also someone who had a beautiful idea. He heard that Jesus was staying at a house. Jesus was back in Capernaum and he was staying at Peter's house and this one man thought to himself, my friend Bill is paralyzed. I know that Jesus can heal. Why don't we take him there and have Jesus to heal him? That was a beautiful idea. So he goes to a friend and says, let's take him to Simon's house. And so that bill can be healed. So his friend says, then how are we going to get him there? Carry him on the bed, watch over him, and God will bless him. A beautiful idea that became more beautiful because more people brought into the idea and now instead of there being one with the idea, two in conversation, now there are at least four. And these four men, each grabbing an end of the stretcher or the bed, picking up the bed and now going all the way from where they are, going all the way to Capernaum to take this man to Jesus. But they didn't have a no because God was with them. God blessed them. They arrived and when they got there, the scripture says there were so many people inside the house and there were even more people outside of the house. And Mark says that there were so many that they couldn't even get another person inside the door. I want you to know Churches, there are many people outside of our church door today. There are too many people that are outside and not enough people where? On the inside. Oh, we might be preaching the word and we might be singing the songs, but I'm telling you, God is speaking to our hearts today saying we need to do something. We need to ask God to give us some beautiful ideas to get some of those on the outside somehow on the what? On the inside. When 
When I think of of all of these people gathered there, when I think of those four men and that one man lying on that bed, the four men couldn't get the paralytic man into the house to see Jesus because there were so many people there. And then there was another beautiful idea. Anybody know what that new idea was? Take him up on the roof. Come on now, somebody. Why don't we just take the brother up on the roof? Did you know that the houses then in that first century during the time of Jesus had flat roofs for the most part? One of the reasons is because there was not that much rain. Second is because they could take figs or grapes and lay them on the roof and let the the sun just bake them and they would have then fruit in order to eat on the roof. Did you know that the flat roof was the place where these brothers decided that they were going to climb on up because there was stairwell on on the side and they could go up the outside of the house and climb up on the roof. Somebody said, let us take this man up on a roof. The other one said, what are we going to do when we get up there? And somebody had another beautiful idea. Tear a hole. That's exactly what we're going to do. Another great idea. So they took him up the side of the house and took him up to the roof. And I'm so glad that there was no committee, there was no board, that they had to discuss the pros and cons and why they should not do this stupid thing of going up the stairs. Suppose we slip. And he, Bill, not on a diet, knock all of us down. Now, instead of one, can can y'all see it? Oh, my goodness gracious. And then once we get up there, the committee would say, what are the legal ramifications and the medical considerations that must be taken under advisement before we proceed? So therefore I move that we table this till Jesus comes back to Capernaum again. But I want you to know Jesus was in the house. Can I get an amen? Oh, I believe Jesus in the house today. (laughs) Jesus was in the house. Mark said that they stood there and they began to remove the tiles off the roof. Picture with me. Can you see Jesus sitting there teaching and preaching? Church, the house was packed. Nobody else could get in. Everybody outside. And all of a sudden, dirt started dribbling down. Then all of a sudden, chunks of hay and tile, bam, all around the Lord Jesus. Can you see? And the Lord is looking up. But while the Lord was looking up, I can see some naysayers looking up too. Oh, what in the world is going on here? But the person that I'm most excited about is Peter. 
Peter looked up and said, what are you doing to my roof? I can also understand that Peter was from Charleston because Peter said, no, you're dead. I just put that roof on. You know what I'm saying? I just got insurance and everything and now you're tearing up my brand new roof. But I want you to know, we need to have a mindset as pastors that we need to spend less time worrying about fixing our roof and spend more time thinking about fixing our people. Can I get an amen? See, I know that's important to do our renovation and our restoration, but I want you to know because they were willing to tear a hole in a little roof that somebody got helped because they went to the man who has the help, who has all power in his hands. And the Bible says, and they lowered the man down through the hole in the roof. Can you see Jesus sitting there watching? And he's looking down. I can see everybody else in the packed house watching the man being lowered down. Can you see the rope coming down through the roof? Can you see the bed? Can all of a sudden Jesus looks up and looks into the eyes of the four men who were lowering the man down and the man land on the floor? Can you see the sun now breaking through because they have now opened up a hole in the roof? Can you see the men leaning over looking down at Jesus and looking down at Bill? And the shadow of the sun cascading from them down on the floor, maybe covering up part of Bill's face. And the Lord Jesus looks at Bill down on the mat. Then he looks back up at the four men hanging through the roof. And he says, because of your faith. Because of your faith. This man's sins are forgiven. Whose life we are blocking the blessing because we have not caught on the good idea that we are to go ye into all the world and preach the gospel, that we are to baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. That is not just Pastor Greg's job. That's all of our job, that we are to come together, give Brother Craig a hand and say, Brother, I will walk with you and I will stand with you and I will stand by you. I will tell somebody, no matter where I am and no matter where I go, Brother, we will walk this thing together. I don't care how many scribes and Pharisees are packed in the house. So long as Jesus in the house, I know I'm in the majority of one. Now now note this. The Bible does not say anywhere here that it was because of Bill's faith. You notice that? Bill's sin was forgiven Because those brothers had intercessory faith and prayer on his behalf. Who are we praying for right now? Who in your family is paralyzed right now and waiting on you to go before the Lord on their behalf and says, Lord, have mercy. Would you break the curse that's on my mom or my dad or my sister or my brother or my niece, or my nephew, 
or my next door neighbor or my friend at school or on the job. They need you, Lord, but Lord, I'm just afraid and I'm paralyzed. I won't pray to you and I won't even go talk to them. But somebody needs that somebody will get down on their knees and have a little talk with Jesus. Tell them all about your struggles. He will hear your faintest cry and he will answer by and by. Oh, when you see a little prayer wheel turning, come on now, you know a little fire is burning. Just have a little talk with Jesus and he'll make everything all right. When he said that, your sins are forgiven. Let me tell you something. Don't let me not tell you the rest of the story. You see, when you go out and have a good idea that God, and you embrace the good ideas that God has given to us, everybody is not going to like you embracing the ideas. Can I get an amen? Do you know that sometimes you can lose your best friends because you embrace the good ideas that the Lord placed in your spirit? I got another good idea. If God places a good idea in your spirit and they don't like you, it's a good idea you cut them loose. Can I get an amen? Hello, somebody. Maybe they are nothing but a load. They are dragging you back. They are holding you down. Sometimes you got to cut off stuff that's carrying you and dragging you and pulling you back. They might be the paralysis in your analysis. It's time for you to cut some folks loose and hold on to God's unchanging hands and see what God is able to do in your life. They said, who is this fellow right here? Who does he think he is standing up here talking about your sins are forgiven? He said, don't you know that only God can do that? And I love what the Lord said. The Lord looked at them and said, yes, which is easier to say your sins are forgiven or to take up your bed and walk. You see, the Lord says in Isaiah 43, he said, it is only I am the one who can forgive your transgression. It is only I have the power, God himself, and I do it for my own reason, and I will remember your sins no more. This same Jesus, the same one that spoke to Isaiah, the same one that spoke to Moses, the same one that spoke to Elijah, the same one that speaks to our hearts today, says, I am God. You see, we might think that taking up your bed and walk is easy. But in order for Jesus to say your sins are forgiven, somebody had to die. And God loved us so much that he gave his only begotten son. And Jesus loved us so much that he gave his only life. Oh, I'm telling you, Brother Yates, when I think about that, how patient God is. After all he's done, some of us are still saying no. I'm going to tell you right now, if I did all the Lord did for us, and y'all are still saying no, Pastor, what happened to half your church? Judgment came for them. (laughs) 
Brother Yates, I'm waiting no longer. I've been crying out and preaching and yelling for years, and y'all still talking about, um, what are you going to do now? And the Lord looked at them, and the Bible says God reasoned. Three verses in a row, God reasoned what was in their hearts. And God said, I know what's in your heart. See, people full of no don't have a heart of flesh. They got a heart of stone. People who have a no can say no to heaven, but they're going to say yes to hell whether they like it or not. Can I get an amen? Oh, I want you to understand. They might not say they want to go, but if you don't have a reservation for heaven, your reservation is already made someplace else. And as they stood there and the Lord looked at the man, the paralyzed man, and said, take up your bed and walk. And the man immediately picked up his bed and he went home glorifying God. I say to us, God is ready to change our paralysis. God is giving us a great idea. You see, this nation and this city was paralyzed with racism and prejudice and hatred. But God broke that paralysis, even if it cost nine people their lives in Mother Emmanuel. God has broken that bond and broken that bondage. God has set us free that we can now love one another as children of the Most High God. Do you know God does not care what the color your skin is? He cares only if you got God inside your heart, if you're filled with the Holy Spirit. See, God has broken that paralysis in us. God has set us free that Redeemer and St. John's and other churches can come together on a Sunday morning and say, praise God from whom all blessings flow. We can say how great thou art because my God got up early on a Sunday morning and he rose from the dead so that you and I might have life and we can praise the Lord in glory. If I got to do it all by myself, I'm going to say praise God from whom all blessings flow. If anybody's paralyzed here today, call out to the one who can say to you, no matter what you are going through, one, your sins are forgiven, and two, take up your bed and walk. What used to carry him, now he can carry in Jesus' name. Let us pray. Gracious Father, we do thank you. And we praise your glorious name for all that you are and who you are. Lord, we are not worthy, but you told us to come. Lord, someone in here today may be going something. It might even be the paralysis of some sickness. And instead of casting all of our cares on you, Lord, we've gone to the earthly doctors and listened to their no's when, we, when all we had to do is go to Dr. Jesus and hear him say yes. Lord, maybe somebody is going through some emotional or financial problem and we are paralyzed by the, the mindset that I'm, I don't know how I'm going to make it out of this. But we fail to realize there's a beautiful idea that Jesus is our way maker who is still making a way out of no way. 
Lord, maybe someone's son or daughter or grandchild or grandchildren have lost their way, and we, Lord, are paralyzed by what this world can do to our children. Then, Lord Jesus, we place our children into your hands. Lord, have mercy upon them. While there is still day, Lord, I ask that you would call them back to you. Lord, that you would draw them to you. For the Lord says, if I, as Brother Peter shared this morning in Sunday school, if I, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. Whatever it is, Lord, we commit it to you now. Do more, Lord, than we can imagine to ask. And help us, Lord, that we will never forget to give you all the praise, the honor, and glory. In Jesus' precious and mighty name, let all God's people say, Amen. Amen.